So folks, once again, we're continuing the little series uh, that started a couple of months ago, the prayers of the faithful. Just looking at some of the prayers in scripture, what we can learn from them, the circumstances around them, and from the people involved in them. We've looked at the prayer of the church. We've looked at the prayer of a widow. And this morning, we're going to be thinking about the prayer of a child. The prayer of a child as we turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3, please. First Samuel chapter 3, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and then into Samuel. And we're going to read the whole chapter together as well, so all of chapter 3, please. It says in verse 1, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days, there was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. But the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again Samuel. Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I. For thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I. For thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. The Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel which both the ears of every one that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. And Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, Here am I. And he said, What is the thing that the Lord hath said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee, and more also if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every whit and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared, appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Amen. We know the Lord, as always, will bless his word 
to our hearts. And if nothing else is said this morning, it will still have been spoken to by the word of God through his precious word. Now, whenever our Daniel was about four or five, uh, he had this little sketchbook that he used to draw and scribble different things, and like a lot of children do. And one of the things he liked to sketch was airplanes. He'd play about with different shapes of planes, different styles uh, that he'd seen in his books, and he'd try and recreate them for himself. And he really got into this. And there was one particular style that he kept trying to draw, kept trying to perfect. Eventually, he had it the way he wanted, and he started to add colors to it and little details to it and other features. And if you asked him anything about it, about why it looked the way it did, about why it had that particular feature, he could explain it. I remember one day he declared that he was finished with his design. And at that moment, in his mind, the next step was obvious. We were going to build it. This thing that he'd been designing for months was now ready to be built. He'd seen a few tools knocking about the garage. He'd occasionally seen me cutting a piece of wood. He was convinced that we could build a plane. He thought the two of us could knock out a 747 in our wee garage in Valnahinch. And he was totally convinced about that. This morning we're going to look at the prayer of a child. Or more particularly the calling of a child. This decision of God to use a child. To speak truth into a dark and sinful land. Now we're not told exactly how old Samuel was. But based on the terminology used in this passage. He was probably about 8 or 10. Certainly no older than 12. This young boy. Given sole responsibility. To share the word of God in a land. In a temple. Within a family. That had turned away from him. Why did God choose a little boy. He could have chosen anyone. He could have waited five years, ten years, thirty years, and then called Samuel. And yet he very deliberately chose to call a child. It's often said that our children are the church of tomorrow. Well, I'd like to challenge that. Our children are the church of today. They're the church of right now. Our young people are the church of today. So many of our children and young people are saved. They know the Lord for themselves and praise God for that. The moment they trusted in him, they joined the body of Christ. The moment they trusted Jesus at four or seven or ten, they became fully fledged members of the universal church. They're the church of today. And God speaks to children. God calls boys and girls. And God had Eli. Eli was the high priest. Eli loved the Lord. The, high, the elderly priest loved the Lord. There's no doubt about that. And he served the Lord. But in chapter 2 it tells us that his service was tainted. It was tainted by things that had happened in his household. It was tainted by things that had happened on his watch. His work was affected by what he had witnessed. It was impacted by what he knew. Eli saw what was happening in his own family and it polluted his service. His faithfulness fell short, his service suffered and his walk weakened because of what he'd seen. If anything, Eli knew too much. 
And if our Daniel had been a little bit older, a bit more mature, a bit wiser, if he'd seen and experienced more of the world, he wouldn't have been so foolish as to think that we could build a full-size plane in our garage. He wouldn't have been so childish as to think that his dad knew how to weld bits of metal together to form a wing. His dad's never used a welder in his life. If Daniel had been a bit older, he would have realized that. But I think that's sad. To think that the more our children learn of the world, the more they learn about us, the smaller their vision gets. And I think it's the same for all of us. The more we learn, the more we experience life, so often our vision gets smaller. Why would God call a child? Well, maybe because a child isn't tainted by the past. A child isn't limited by reality. A child isn't so easily put off. The simple fact is that many of our children, the children in this church, many of them have more vision than we do. They'll invite friends to meetings, to searchers, to youth fellowship. How many of us attend a gospel service thinking, sure, people don't come into church anymore. They don't just come into services. What's the point in having a gospel meeting? I've thought that. It's because of what I've seen. I limit God, I narrow my vision and therefore taint my service because of what I've experienced. And it's maybe not a wrong observation. People aren't really coming into meetings anymore. Not the way they once did. But that's affecting my service. It's affecting my willingness to go out and ask them, isn't it? It's affecting my prayer. Am I praying in genuine faith, believing that God will bring people in? Or am I praying that because that's what people expect me to pray in the prayer meeting? When we hear of new outreach, new opportunities to engage, do we think, well, what's that going to do, really? The last thing we tried didn't work. I know the people of St. Field, they have no time for God. They have no interest. They're just using us for the sports or for the childcare or for the food. And it's affecting our vision. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we were more like children? Excited to explore new opportunities, limitless in our vision, faithful in our calling and untainted in our service. God could have called anyone and he called a little child. He called a little boy named Samuel. I think that's wonderful. And Samuel listened. He listened to the call of God. If you remember the story, Hannah, his mother, had prayed deeply for this child. She was barren and in bitterness of soul. She prayed to the Lord that he would give her a child. But in that prayer, she committed that if the Lord answered, she would give Samuel over to the service of the temple. Give him over to live and to serve in the company of the high priest. It was an incredible sacrifice. And the Lord blessed her for it. And this was at a time when the Lord wasn't really communicating with the people. We read that in verse 1. The word of the Lord was precious. It was rare. There was no new revelation. There was no desire even for the Lord to speak. They had turned their back on him. It was dark. 
And you might think, well, at least it was okay for Samuel. He was in the temple, but it wasn't much better there. Eli's sons had made a mockery of temple worship. They were using their position to engage in all sorts of criminal and unseemly behavior. We're told in verse 2 of 1 Samuel 3 that Eli's eyes were growing dim. Verse 3 says it was just before the lamp of God went out in the temple. And folks, I think this is more than just an aging man and the description of the nighttime routine. I think this is God's commentary on the spiritual state of the land and the sinful environment of this once holy place. The eyes were dim and the lamp of God was about to go out in the place where the Ark of the Covenant rested. The symbolic presence of God, the lamp of God was about to go out. That's the backdrop to the call of Samuel. That was the position he was in, the environment he was in. Samuel wasn't in a particularly spiritual environment. The circumstances were far from perfect. And yet the Lord still called him. Imperfect circumstances, a worryingly dark and ungodly environment that he was in. And yet the Lord still called him. You know, sometimes we look at the world and we think about our children and we worry for them. There's plenty to make us worry. These are imperfect circumstances. But listen, that won't ever stop the Lord calling boys and girls to himself. It won't ever stop him equipping them for service. It doesn't for one second mean that he can't use them in a way that goes far beyond anything we ever imagined for them. The Lord still called even in imperfect circumstances. And the Lord still called despite Samuel's impersonal relationship. When the Lord first calls out to Samuel, he thinks it's Eli. The thought of God speaking to him wasn't even anywhere in his mind. Even in the temple, it didn't even cross his mind that this might be God speaking to him. It doesn't occur to Eli either. And Eli sends him back and the Lord calls a second time and again Eli sends him back. And in verse 7, we're given an explanation as to why Samuel didn't know who it was that was calling him. It says, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord revealed unto him. Samuel hadn't had a personal encounter with God. Now, I know many of you boys and girls here this morning are Christians. Many of our young people are walking with the Lord. But if you're not, your experience with God isn't personal. You don't have a personal relationship with God and you need that. It's not just enough to follow after your parents. It's not just enough to follow your parents to church. It has to be your personal relationship with the Lord. There has to be a genuine belief in your heart that Jesus died for your sins. You have to know it for yourself. That's maybe something to chat to your mom and dad about. Do you know Jesus? For yourself. And many of you do. Many of you do know him. Boys and girls. Young people. But even for those who do. Those who are Christians. A lot of what we know about the Lord. Is through our parents. When we're young. The standards we hold. The way we live our life. The way in which we apply scripture. Our habits and prayer and Bible reading. When you're young. A lot of those 
are dictated by your mum and dad. It's only when you get a bit older, you start forming your own habits, start digging into scripture for yourself. And when you do that, when you truly examine the word of God for yourself, your relationship with God becomes even more personal, becomes deeper. Samuel didn't have any of that. He didn't have that personal relationship. He didn't know the Lord. Everything he knew was through Eli. And as young Christians, it's okay to rely on those around us for understanding. We're not going to know everything. Our parents don't know everything. It's why we rely on the knowledge of others. It's why we go to school when we're younger. You wouldn't learn very much if they just emailed you five years of coursework in year eight and wished you all the best. They have to actually teach you. They're the ones that have the knowledge. They're the ones that can teach you what you need to know. It's the same reason we come to church in many ways. Joel talked about this earlier. We come to grow and to learn together and to learn from each other. We come together to grow in the knowledge of Christ. Everything Samuel knew about the Lord came from Eli, but sadly, Eli wasn't a great example to him. And parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, if our children are learning everything they know about God from us, what are we teaching them? What are they learning when they watch us, when they listen to us, when they see us respond to certain circumstances? They're learning about God through us. What are we teaching them? Eli was tainted. In many ways, a poor example to young Samuel. His example fell short. But I want you to see that the Lord still called him. Imperfect circumstances, an impersonal relationship, and yet still the Lord called him. He called a third time, and once again, Samuel goes into Eli and he says, Here am I. And Eli finally clicks. Finally dawns on the high priest that the Lord is starting to speak. He's trying to get the attention of this young boy. And Eli says, go back and lie down. But this time when the voice comes, I want you to say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Samuel had very little understanding. He believed in God, but he didn't know him. It was a faith of sorts, a belief that was immature. It lacked depth. It lacked understanding. It was an immature faith. His faith was immature. His understanding was limited. There was no real depth. And yet still, the Lord called him. He wasn't a scholar of ancient Hebrew. He didn't know every word of the Torah. I'm sure he hadn't yet experienced every aspect of temple life. His circumstances were far from perfect. His faith, at best it was immature. At worst it was non-existent. He was young. He was weak. He was lacking in so many areas. And yet still, the Lord called him. You might be a six-year-old who can't write their own name. 
A 12-year-old who doesn't know where the book of Deuteronomy is. You could be 16 and still wrestle with assurance. You could be 30 and not know anything about end times. You could be 50 and never had the courage to pray publicly in the prayer meeting. You could be 80 and have been a silent church attender all your life and never got involved. And yet still, the Lord could call you. You see, just because we don't have all the answers, just because we don't know as much as the next person, just because you're a child, just because you're fearful, just because you don't know anything, doesn't mean God can't still speak to you. God can call any one of us. Any one of us sitting here this morning, God could call any one of us. The question is, Are you listening? It's a hymn we sometimes sing and the chorus says, there's a work for Jesus none but you can do. Well, I believe that. There's a work for Jesus only you can do. But are we listening? Are we listening to find out what that work is? Are we listening for the call of God? Samuel listened to the call of God. He heard it. Secondly, he learnt of the condemnation of God. He listened to the call and then he learnt of the condemnation. Samuel hears the Lord call him a fourth time. And I think it's so lovely to see the patience and the graciousness of God in his dealings with Samuel. He calls him a fourth time. And this time Samuel responds. He responds to the Lord and he prays. This is the prayer of a child. And it's a simple prayer. He says, speak for thy servant heareth. Simple but so powerful. What a statement. God of heaven, if you speak to me right now, I'll hear it because I'm listening. That's the prayer of a child. Five little words. Five words of obedience. Five words of humility. Five words of readiness. Speak. For thy servant heareth. Are we listening for the voice of God this morning? Are we ready for what he wants us to do? Five little words. Of course it should have been six. When Eli gave him the prayer he said speak Lord. For thy servant heareth. I'm trying not to read too much into that. It may have just been that he was nervous and couldn't remember the words Eli had given him. It may have been that he didn't yet feel he had the right to use the revered name of God. And maybe it was that even at the point of communicating with God, he didn't have that personal faith. And if that is the case, then I think that's very encouraging. That God would so specifically so deliberately, so persistently call this young boy who didn't yet belong to him into service for the Lord. Many of you I know are praying for children, young people, maybe now full adults, who don't yet know the Lord. Or if they did, they're now in less than ideal circumstances. Their faith at best is immature, at worst non-existent. Yet the Lord can still call them. 
And maybe to be honest, when we think about where they are at the moment, maybe all they would be able to muster are the words, okay, Lord, I hear you. I'm listening. Is that not our prayer for them? That they listen to the voice of God. And maybe those words, five little words is all they can manage. But you see in the hands of God, those five little words are so powerful. What a powerful prayer that could be. If those people that we're praying for, if they could just utter those five little words, believing that the Lord had something for them. It was a simple prayer. And then the Lord gave him significant responsibility. He gave him a significant responsibility. Verse 11, and the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. Now that's not a tingle of excitement like when you're itching to get up on Christmas morning. It's more like the one you get when there's a big spider under your bed. It's a tingle of fear. This tingling in the ears is a phrase the Lord uses three times in Scripture, and each time it's about judgment coming. The Lord is coming in judgment, and he's chosen Samuel to give that message. This is a huge responsibility. The God of Israel was judging the family of Eli, the house of the high priest. This was going to be a national scandal. And Samuel was the one chosen by God to communicate it. Chosen by God to answer that question. Well, what do we do now? God chose a 10-year-old boy or whatever age he was. A child with limited understanding. A child living in less than, ideal, less than an ideal environment. A boy with very little faith of his own. And God chose him to carry the message of judgment. Samuel learned of the condemnation of God. It was a simple prayer. Lord, I'm listening. And God gave Samuel a significant responsibility. One that he would continue for over 60 years. Folks, whatever age we are sitting here this morning. Whenever we pray, Lord, I'm listening. Lord, speak to me. Lord, show me what you would have me to do. We had better be ready for significant responsibility. Samuel prayed a simple prayer. He received a significant responsibility and he was given a solemn message. Eli was like a father to him. And Samuel had to now tell him that God was coming in judgment and that Eli was facing, facing his wrath. It was a solemn message. And when we open ourselves to the will of God and realize the opportunity that we have we too have a solemn message. It doesn't matter if you're 10 or 20. It doesn't matter if you're 40 years old or 80. If you don't know the Lord personally, we're on the wrong side of that judgment. But our families, our friends, that we've maybe known for years, are on the wrong side of that judgment. Are you listening to the Lord this morning? Is there someone that he has for you to tell right now? Somebody that you've been putting off? Somebody that you haven't told? Someone that you know it'll be hard to share with? But you need to warn them. If the Lord has laid that on your heart, 
You've got to tell them. Samuel listened to the call of God. He learned about the condemnation of God. But finally, Samuel labored over the commission of God. He labored over it. He wrestled over what the Lord was asking him to do. Verse 15 implies that he didn't get any sleep. He just lay there in fear over what he'd been asked to do. He was afraid. And why wouldn't he be? This young boy was being asked to step in where others hadn't. There'd been no vision, no cry for the Lord, no desire for truth. And the Lord calls a child to be his spokesperson, to be his prophet. It was no easy task and understandably Samuel labored over it. And you may already, sitting here today, you may already know exactly what the Lord is asking you to do. You might already know. Maybe to speak to one individual. Maybe to offer yourself as a helper in some of the activities or into a particular role. And you've labored over it. You've wrestled over it. You've considered the weight of responsibility and you've crumbled because you think you're not up to it. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do the thing the Lord's telling me to do. Folks, out of all the people in Israel, God called Samuel. Out of all the people in Israel, God called Samuel. A young child, humanly speaking, there's no way he was the obvious choice. No way. He wasn't the most spiritual, we've seen that. He wasn't the most qualified. He certainly wasn't the most mature. But he was the Lord's choice. And God doesn't call by mistake. If he calls, he knows the person he wants. And if he's called you for whatever service, for whatever responsibility, for whatever conversation, if he's called you to that, that already makes you the right candidate, whether you think it or not. Samuel was fearful. But I want you to notice what prompted him to follow through. Verse 17. Eli says to him, what is the thing that the Lord has said? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee and more also if they hide anything from me of the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him everything. Every word. He had nothing from him. Samuel followed through in the command of God. Why did he follow through? Did he follow through because he wasn't scared anymore? No. He was petrified. Poor Samuel, he was absolutely petrified. But the thing was, he feared the Lord more. He followed through because he feared the Lord more. God do so to thee and more also if thou don't tell me. He feared the Lord more than he feared Eli. He feared the Lord more than he feared man. And is that not the thing that pretty much always holds us back? Fear of man. The fear of being knocked back. The fear of humiliation. The fear of failure and a wounded ego. 
We ought to fear the Lord. Reverence the one who chooses and the one who equips. This is his army. It's his battle. And he will choose his soldiers. He chose a young boy. Eight or ten or twelve years old. Is he choosing you this morning? And if so, what is it that he's asking you to do? Samuel felt afraid. But more than that, he feared the Lord. It's not wrong to feel scared about what the Lord's asked us to do. It can be intimidating. But will we honor the Lord enough to do it? He felt afraid, he feared the Lord, and then he flourished in his service. Verse 19 says that Samuel grew, he grew physically, he grew spiritually, he grew in knowledge, and the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. That wasn't because he was the perfect orator. It wasn't because he had a a beautiful way with words. It was because he was God's choice. Folks, we don't have to be perfect. We just have to be obedient. And he will use us where he wants. Is he calling you this morning? Are you available to him? Are you listening to him? Samuel was just a child. Boys and girls that are here this morning. Young people. Are you listening? Because maybe God has a work for you to do as well. There's plenty of things to strive for. There's things in the church, things that will open up when you're older. And it's good to have those things to push towards. But many of those are for later. And it's good that they're for later. If they're available now, they wouldn't feel special. It wouldn't be something that you could work towards. But what about right now? What can you do right now? In school? Among your friends, in your family, what's God asking you to do right now? Boys and girls and young people, you're like a blank canvas to the Lord, like a blank piece of paper, not spoiled by the negativity of other Christians, not inhibited by past experiences or limited in your dreams. With God, all things are possible. Many of us older ones have lost sight of that. So what's he asking you to do? Who's he asking you to speak to and are you listening to him? And for the rest of us, wouldn't it be wonderful if we were more like children? Empty vessels. Cleared of all the baggage that we carry, the man-made barriers to service. Why do we put so many blockers up? I pray that we might look to Jesus with an expectation of wonder. Believing with all our hearts that if he wanted to construct a 747 in a garage in Balnehinch, he could do it. If he wants to use us to bring every single member of our family to Christ, then he'll do it. If he wants this church to be seen as a loving, caring carrier of a gospel truth in this community, then he'll do it. And if he calls us to join him in that journey, I pray that we're like Samuel. I pray that we're listening. 
that I'm listening and not trying to find all the logical reasons why I shouldn't, but just trust him. Samuel listened to the call. He learned of the condemnation. And yes, he labored over the commission. He labored over it. He struggled. We all struggle. But in the fear of the Lord, he flourished in his service. May we be like Samuel this morning and respond to the call of God in our hearts. Amen. We're going to sing in closing, please. Uh, Hymn 694 in the book, 694 in the book says, Lord, speak to me that I may speak. In living echoes of thy tone as thou hast sought, so let me seek thy erring children lost and lone. Let's stand together to sing. We'll just sing, actually, I think there's maybe five verses. Uh, First, third, and fifth we'll sing. Just those three verses, please. First, third, and fifth. Thank you.